How do you measure a company's commitment to sustainable practices? Then, how do you invest in just those businesses that meet and reflect your values via an ETF? Well, one of the world's largest asset managers has been putting a lot of thought into that lately and has some news for investors wanting to ensure they are on the right side of the sustainability cleanup, while also providing their clients with the most cost-effective investment solutions. It is possible, iShares says, to make a positive social impact by investing in index funds. In fact, indexing, the firm says, is reshaping sustainable investing. And in this podcast, we'll be finding out how and why. So hello and welcome to the Sustainable Mythbusting podcast from CityWire in association with iShares. Here, we'll be joined by a host of guests from the wealth management community, as well as investors within iShares itself to better understand this growing area of the investment landscape. I'm Amy Maxwell, Managing Editor of CityWire Engage, and for this episode, I'm joined by Rumi Mahmood, Head of ETF Research at Nutmeg, and iShares' Sustainable Investing Strategist, James Gloke, to discuss all this in more detail. Thank you, gentlemen, for joining me. Not a problem. Hey, good to be here. Okay, Rumi, I'm going to start with you. Some clients have questioned the relationship between stewardship and ESG ETFs. They wonder whether index fund managers really can drive real change. What do you think? Can they? Uh, In short, yes. Uh, This is actually quite a common query when it comes to uh, ESG and ETFs in general. Um, A lot of the concern actually arises from the idea that one can only engage in one particular way, that if they don't like how a company behaves, they'll, uh, they'll divest from that stock. Um, and, and that an absence of consequence through, through you know, ETFs, the fact that they can't sell and walk away, means that there's an absence of, of, of engagement or uh, impact. And my view is that's, that that's completely false. Um, if anything, you know, index investing is more powerful when it comes to stewardship and change precisely because one can't sell and walk away. It means that index investors have a seat at the table every year when it comes to corporate engagements, decision making, um, voting, etc. Um, and the other sort of the other fact that a lot of people often forget is that most of the world's largest asset managers have significant a significant book of active business as well, um, uh, which means that they can actually leverage significant governance uh, and stewardship resources at, at minimal cost. Um, and they'll vote you know, across all their securities at a, at a total level, which makes that voting a lot more powerful um, than it can if you're you know, voting on, on a smaller size of stock. Okay, and James, what would you say to those people who believe that active engagement is, is solely for the active manager? How does this fit into a world of index investing? Well, to Rumi's point there, um, those that are invested in index products Um, the asset manager is there, the shareholder is there for the long term. And what we're looking to really do in uh, sustainable ETFs is uh, create sustainable products that clients can move into uh, to feel comfortable, to feel confident in, uh, not overstretching themselves, and really looking to help clients move from standard portfolios to sustainable ones. Now, if we can enable that transition and we uh, help sustainable become the new normal when it comes uh, to investing, then you're going to have a sizable amount of money moving into sustainable products, sustainable indexes. 
companies that fail to make the grade into these sustainable products will be outside that investment as this sustainable wave builds. And there hopefully would be kind of impetus, a desire by those companies that haven't necessarily disclosed the right metrics or met the right criteria to improve, to gain entry to those indexes, those funds that are seeing sustainable, sizable returns um, and be part of the sustainable movement. And, and Rumi, your clients, they're looking to get on board in this new normal. How suitable is a passive vehicle for accessing sustainable investments? So there's th- main, three real sort of advantages that ETFs and passive instruments in general uh, present when it comes to ESG. And sort of to broadly summarize them, I'd say it's cost, cost efficiency, it's transparency, and it's consistency. consistency. And on the first front, if you think about it, a lot of um, indexes, ESG indexes in particular, they incorporate vast volumes of qualitative and quantitative input. Um, and typical, you know, the, the average typical investor won't have access to you know, these normally institutional quality tools and resources that index providers such as MSCI, S&P, et cetera, might be able to offer when it comes to gathering non-financial metrics, et cetera. In, in the construction of these of these indexes, it's it's a lot of embedded IP that you're getting through what 10 to 30 basis points on average. Uh, we pay for MSCI research, so we know how much that can cost. And uh, so, in my mind, packaged in that way, um, it, it's incredibly cost efficient. And secondly, to the point of transparency, the ESG tuned investor very much wants to know what what they're holding in in detail uh, and question it almost. So. ETFs also lend to that because of their transparent nature, whereas mutual funds, etc., um, one might not be able to see on a regular basis exactly what they hold. Uh, and lastly, on the point of consistency, um, you know, investors need you know total portfolio solutions, not just a particular fund or a particular sort of ESG stock or whatever. Um, and you know, ideally, they would they need you know, globally diversified, you know, multi-asset portfolio solutions. And that's where sort of ETFs come into play as well because essentially they provide consistency in methodology. There's a lot of offerings out there where there might not be consistency in, in sort of different between different asset classes. Um, I've seen examples where um, a multi-asset BSU offering has excluded, let's say, a company like Apple from, from an equity fund, but uh, it includes Apple in its fixed income selection. So there's a lack of consistency and almost integrity there. And what ETFs enable is consistency in that regard, in methodologies, um, which I think is very important when, when building portfolio-level solutions. Okay, James, with all of this new data and all of these new data points, has there been any real-world examples that have validated ESG assessment? Sure. Um, so with the incorporation of ESG metrics into indexes, you can have different flavors. So you can have uh, ESG indexes that are looking to stay close to the benchmark in terms of risk and performance. So having almost an ESG tilt, uh, a, a slight improvement, but not causing tracking error to be too high. There can be other sustainable indexes that really do take a stronger line. You can cut out companies if their ESG score isn't high enough. Uh, then you can only take the top performers with regards to ESG scores as well. Where that's come into play, we've uh, seen situations whereby some companies have been removed because they haven't got a high enough ESG score. I want to stay on this topic of, of data. In the Industrial Revolution, we had oil 
and in the digital revolution we have data so it is behind you know everything so just staying on this theme um, I want to understand the data from a client perspective so Rumi I'm going to turn to you um, data is very important to help clients understand the level of improvement but sometimes um, not all data points are easily relatable to what I found so um, clients understand that if if the level of carbon intensity is reduced or water stress is reduced, they know that's a good thing, but they don't necessarily have a real world feel of what some of these metrics might might mean. So one thing we've worked on is translating some of these into more re- sort of real world feelable, if you will, numbers. So you know what does uh, you know X tons reduction in carbon emissions mean um, in terms of let's say number of trips between London and Barcelona? Uh, what what does uh, a carbon intensity reduction of you know Z tons mean in terms of uh, acres of forest, you know, prevented from deforestation, or you know, things like that, um, sort of help to get a more real-world sense of, of of the improvement they're getting in, through sustainable investing. And to that point, uh, that humanizing of the metrics is really important, especially in sustainable. Um, some people take it extremely seriously, um, and therefore we need to make sure that uh, they can access metrics that they understand. A, kind of a 10 ton reduction in carbon intensity emissions frankly what does that mean uh, an ESG score of say A to triple uh, uh, A again how does that relate so it's beholden on us to help that humanizing of those metrics whilst at the same time uh, making sure that we do nothing to incur that term called greenwashing where you are, you are looking to kind of put a greener tilt on either your product or your metrics than actually uh, is really there and so we want need to make sure that when a client looks under the hood of the product everything they see there is uh, fully kind of transparent uh, fully understandable we talked there about the the human element and i want to bring about two real life events and how they've impacted investors view on sustainable investing and while the paris climate talks so seed among investors for more climate-aware investing. Do we think similarly the coronavirus, coronavirus epidemic is is doing the same thing five years later? And um, potentially where do we think we'll be in the next five years? James, over to you. So December 2015, we actually had an agreement amongst the leaders of the world that they would look to try and keep carbon uh, or global warming uh, well below a two degree uh, threshold. Um, actually, not very much happened with regards to kind of sustainable investing, at least in the, the ETF space. If we look back to 2015, at the end of that year, uh, the, all sustainable ETFs in EMEA only uh, came to a total of $2 billion in uh, AUM. Uh, fast forward a couple of years, actually, the, the, par- the, the so what of the Paris Climate Talks really didn't start to take hold until probably 2018 and the latter half of 2018. Um, we had this almost perfect storm of uh, growing client investor interest, consumer interest. We had the media reporting on it more. We had regulators both at the national and the continental EU level talking about uh, ways that they could help this sustainable transition. And all of that meant we suddenly had this very significant uptick in interest and with that interest and that noise became uh, a move towards transitioning from standard to sustainable portfolios. And so I talked about there only being two billion in AUM at the end of 2015, uh, as of the end of September, um, actually the sustainable ETF market had grown to uh, 63 billion 
uh, in uh, AUM, so a really significant increase. And the majority of that has happened actually in the last kind of 18 months. Rumi, how do you think the fallout from COVID is going to impact your clients' views on sustainable investing in the years to come? Sure. So we actually ran some consumer research recently um, trying to get client views on investing trends following the pandemic. And we found that one in five investors um, have said that the pandemic has triggered their interest and desire to consider switching to uh, more sustainable investing. And uh, a third of of clients and investors have stated that um, they wouldn't invest in a company or they would divest from a company if if they found if they, or they believe that their practices were you know weren't responsible or had showed disregard you know for society etc. So that was that was quite interesting. Um, on top of that, performance performance helps as well. Um, our socially responsible portfolios have actually significantly outperformed our our, um, our managed ones as well as um, sort of peer industry group average. Um, but on that, I mean, I'll say that. You know, in general, when we compare global stock market performance since the end of the financial crisis, we find that socially responsible stocks um, have not only outperformed the wider market on an absolute basis, um, they've also outperformed with with a higher Sharpe ratio. And what that essentially means is that per unit of of, of risk, uh, socially responsible stocks generate a higher return. Um, and and fast forward that to twenty twenty. That, that that's exactly what's happened in the last 12 months as well. Um, globally, socially responsible equities are nearly 80% higher uh, than those for, for the wider index, whilst again, exhibiting lower volatility. The figures really are astounding. The sizable growth that we've seen in the past 18 months, taken with the direction in which client demand is going, all seem to be suggesting that sustainability is becoming the new normal. So thank you, gentlemen, for joining me on this journey. Thanks very much. Thanks for having us.